0: I got to say thank you. I just want to start by saying thank you to all of you who continue to share the message. We just hit an all-time record week last week before I recorded this. I think we had 69, almost 70,000 downloads in a single week. Uh, we're seeing over a quarter million a month, and that is because you are getting the word out. And I just want to thank you so much for that. Really, really appreciate it. And to all of you who are leaving ratings and reviews, thank you. We are pushing almost a 1,000 right now on iTunes. And Craig, you said, I can't believe this is free. Um, Carrie gives us a front row seat to the thought leaders of our generation. Uh, thanks is inadequate. Craig, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, somebody who didn't leave a name, just a username, said not only knowledge but application. Uh, you said that the podcast is an absolute must for anyone who wants to grow in their leadership skills or simply just grow in life skills. I'm so glad you picked that up because today we're talking about marriage, a real honest look at Marriage with Dave and Ann Wilson. I think you're going to love this one. So talk about life skills. And you know what I've discovered just as a leader, honestly? The people you hire, your team members, volunteer staff, they bring who they are into everything they do. So, I mean, you kind of hire the whole person, not just somebody who shows up 30, 40, 50 hours a week. And if things aren't going well at home, guess what? You've got problems at work. So that's why I like to bring you the wide range of things. And then we'll share one more review as well. Uh, One of the best leadership podcasts out there. And this is by, it looks like, uh, Jode Roos. I don't know. Um, I always love listening to each new episode that comes out. There's such a wide variety of subjects and opinions as it relates to leadership in the church. Some I agree with and some I disagree with. But it really looks at things from every angle and gives you a well-rounded approach to leadership Uh, and you also appreciate how I ask the questions. Hey, I'm glad, you know, I don't expect you to agree with everything. Listen, sometimes I don't agree with everything, but isn't it a great thing that we can have a place where we can bring a variety of opinions to bear and have a thoughtful conversation? That's sort of it. And I'm always looking for the story behind the story. So, Guys, for all your sharing, ratings, and reviews, thank you so much. It is much appreciated. Uh, I also really appreciate our partners, and I'm so glad to have Trained Up back on the podcast. They've been a partner of ours for a long time. They're helping so many churches get so far ahead, and now they're part of Serve HQ, and what they do, this is pretty cool, Trained Up by Serve HQ, equips your volunteers and leaders with simple online video training. And it's a library now of over 800 videos. Covers everything your church could need. For example, training in kids and youth ministry, from abuse prevention to how to teach the Bible to kids to how to interact with parents on a Sunday morning and a whole lot more. Training for Sunday morning teams, like your worship team, greeters, guest services, ushers, production teams, security. There's small group leader training, care and counseling training and a whole lot more. It's a pretty comprehensive approach and they built in some really simple features to customize their training or frankly, you can create your own. So it can be a turnkey solution or you can customize it to the nth degree. You don't need extra cameras. You don't need extra software and you can try it for free for 14 days by simply going to servehq.church. So try trained up for free to train your volunteers at ServeHQ. Church. Also, we do live in the age of video, as I leaked here recently. Do you know some of these episodes are now on YouTube? Yeah, if you head on over to Carrie Newhoff at YouTube, just my full name, you'll see it there. And we are going to be adding more of those in the future because guess what? Video is the future. We live in a media generation. But the challenge is for a lot of churches and a lot of businesses. It's like great, but we can't like afford. We don't have anybody who can do that, and we can't afford anybody. Well. That's why you need to learn about ProMedia Fire. So whether you have a budget for this, whether you think I really don't have a budget for this, check out ProMedia Fire because they have custom graphic designers and video editors who for a very low monthly fee basically become your team at a fraction of the price it would take for you to hire somebody for this, even part-time. So if you need some fire for your content or your social, check out Pro Media Fire. The listeners of this podcast, guess what? You guys always get the benefits. You get 10% off plans for life. Not like, you know, for a year, forever. By going to promediafire.com forward slash carry, C A R E Y. So go to promediafire.com forward slash carry and make sure you get 10% off for life and kind of get into the 21st century. That's always a good thing when that happens, right? So I'm super excited to bring you Dave and Ann Wilson today. They've got a brand new book, it's called Vertical Marriage, and they are so honest in this interview. I've been married, actually, the week I'm recording this, 29 years. That's right. And I think anybody who's been married for more than a couple of minutes will tell you it is a journey for sure. And we've had a journey. And Dave and Ann, Dave's one of the founding pastors at Kensington Church, an awesome church in Detroit, Michigan. They tell a really honest story and it gets pretty raw and pretty real. And sometimes, you know, just knowing that you're not alone. Is half the battle, but they also provide some real help and I think some real hope. So, super excited to have Dave and Ann Wilson from Kensington Church. Their book is called Vertical Marriage. And somewhere in this interview, <laughs> Dave tells a story of saying to Anne, I'd rather be dead than married to you. So, uh, I got to tell you, it's unbelievable. Uh, and I'm so thankful for their transparency. And you know what? If if you've been in love for more than 20 minutes, you know the mixture of emotions that happen. So anyway, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Dave and Ann Wilson. Dave and Ann, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you guys.
1: We are glad to be here. So good to be here.
0: Coming to you live from your kitchen. Is that correct?
2: <laughs> we are in our kitchen. Our newly... No, it isn't remodeled. No. Actually, my wife wants to remodel it. That's what uh-huh.
1: we're Yeah. <laughs> but it's there a sunny day, so it's good to be with you.
0: Uh, it's great to be with you too. So you got a brand new book called Vertical Marriage. You've already been on the Today Show. You've been on Fox News. You're on syndicated podcasts. And well, I guess podcasts aren't syndicated, are they? But syndicated radio and then the <laughs> podcast that comes out of that. Uh, why did you write the book and why did you write it now? Mm. I would say we wrote it to get on your podcast. That was our, that was our hope. Well, mission accomplished. You need a bigger mission than that. I can tell you that. And
2: now I don't know what to do from here. We just hit the, hit the mother loan. So, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the book came out of one of the worst, if not the worst moment in our marriage. And when it happened, I honestly had a thought in my head the night it happened. Nobody will ever hear this story. It'll just be one of these secret little private mm-hmm. sort of valleys that we're going to walk through, but we'll just keep it to ourselves. That's honestly what I thought that night uh, when, it, when it happened. And, and yet, you know how God works. He's like, he loves to use our pain. He wants yeah. to meet us there, and then he likes to use it with others. And we found that people connect with us better through our pain than through our victories.
1: I think, too, that Dave and I started speaking for Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences, almost 30 years ago, and we started sharing some of our struggles. And what we found was that people resonate with the pain and the struggle that we went through. And we were so surprised that people were finding hope in it. Like, whoa, if you guys have gone through this and you've made it, maybe we can make it too. Because the truth is everybody has some struggles in marriage.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And give us a little bit of context with that. So you've been married how many years now as of right now? I was. I hope I get this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, this I, is a test. This is a test. I day. was
2: going to say 40, but it's
1: 39 in about three weeks. Yep. May 24 39 years. All
0: right. So you have some street cred there. This isn't like, yeah, we've been married three years. Oh, we'll tell you yeah. all about it. Oh, that's right?
1: good. Is that like, is that code for like you're old?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I've been married 28 years. So there you go. Almost 29 next month. But yeah, I mean, but you've got, you've got, uh, you've got some history there. And it's it's really funny because if you you know I agree I I tried to sign up for a different plan where it's like no pain in my life please Uh, but apparently God does not like that plan or at least uh, move me to another one and so here we are but uh, you know you're you're speaking on marriage for family life you're involved in ministry and we've got a lot of marketplace leaders listening but also a lot of church leaders listening but I think when you're in that kind of public eye particularly in the context of ministry people kind of expect you to have your stuff together, don't they?
2: <laughs> they sure do. And we, you know, when we got married, we sort of thought we would have our stuff together. You know, we, right. we went to, we actually went to the Family Life Weekend to remember that we speak for now. We went to it as an engaged couple, two weeks before mm. our wedding, pretty much because we were told, uh, you know, I was in college, Ann was a freshman, I was a senior. We were told you can't get married without some preparation. So our big preparation was 48 hours at a, at a weekend retreat, which was actually good. But we sat there the whole weekend with probably, what, about seven 800 couples mm-hmm. in this ballroom in a hotel in Chicago. And we didn't really take very many notes because we thought, how hard can this be? We love each other. <laughs> we love Jesus. You know, we're we're we how actually hard thought can we're, this
0: be? Exactly. We're
2: going, we're going into ministry, you know, so it'll be easier for us because we're going to be full time minister ministers. And we honestly thought it won't be that hard. Two well, weeks later, we got married and we found out how hard it was.
1: I think that we just thought we love Jesus. He'll solve all of our problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, without really regarding the pain of our past, all the baggage that we were carrying into our marriage, we just thought, oh, that won't affect us. And boy, were we wrong. Jesus was in the midst of it, but he also wanted to do a lot through that and heal a lot of our past pain.
0: Were you pretty hopeful moving into the marriage as well, Anne, from your perspective?
1: Oh, yeah. I just thought I married the best man on the planet. This guy is going to fulfill all my dreams. He's going to lead me spiritually. She got that right, by the way. (laughs) 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 And so I was super hopeful. Like, this is going to be amazing. We're going to impact the world for Jesus, and it will be unbelievable.
0: Wow. So what happened? I mean, you, you, you seem like you had a perfect honeymoon because I've, I've read your book. Uh, but Dave, nine months into the marriage, you apparently were thinking you'd rather be, am I quoting right? Dead than married to Anne. Is that, is that the quote? I would rather be dead than married to you.
2: Uh, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's another one of those things I thought the world will never hear. Uh, um,
1: wait, I need to tell this one because yeah. here's what happened. We were fighting a ton. We're on yeah. staff with crew. So this is
0: nine months into your marriage, right? Yes.
1: We're at the Univers- University of Nebraska as a athletes in action representatives working with college athletes on the campus, but we were fighting every night. And so this one night, it's three o'clock in the morning and Dave's not in bed. And so I go looking for him and I find him down in our office. He has the Bible on his lap and I'm thinking, oh, good. At least he's in the Bible, you know, maybe Jesus can help him. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm just sitting here reading Paul's words. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I just told God, God, I'd rather be dead than to be married to Anne, to you. Yes, oh. <laughs> he said, I'd rather be dead than to be married to you. Yeah. Carrie, who says well, that out loud?
0: Yeah, yeah. well, at least you were quoting the scripture. You know, yeah. that 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 makes it some, somewhat acceptable, some right? I mean, it's crazy to
1: think
2: about now, but we were told before we got married that you should share every little tiny minute detail (laughs) with each other. So I thought I need to share exactly what I'm feeling right now. No, not knowing how stupid that was. That was just (laughs) one of those things I should have kept to myself. But I mean, here's the amazing thing, Carrie, as you think about it, we're laughing now, but I actually meant it. I mean, Mm. that's how desperate I felt. I was so disappointed, so discouraged. Uh, Here we are seven, eight, nine months into our marriage. We're sort of faking it. We're doing ministry. Actually, we're leading a marriage Bible study for college (laughs) athletes about marriage. (laughs) And ours is in the tank, you know? And so we'd sort of walk in there and I don't know how many people do this in ministry, but we just put on a smile and we didn't share our struggle. We kept it secret and we went home and just fought. And so I was like, I can't believe this is this hard. I married the wrong person. I'd rather die. And I meant it.
1: <laughs> yeah. you know?
2: I, mean, I was just like, this is never going to get better. Let's, let's, uh, let's get out of here.
1: Well, and it's so interesting too, because that marriage manual that we got in Chicago at the weekend to remember, we pulled it out because we were like, what was in that manual? What is God's <laughs> plan for marriage? Because we don't know what we're doing. We pulled that out and we started teaching these couples and it actually brought us, a lot of healing. We, we did a lot Mm. of work through that and we got through that season of pain and we ended up sharing with these couples that were married, these college athletes, not even realizing they were going through just as much pain as we were.
0: Yeah. You're not alone. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad all these years later you can laugh at it, but it wasn't funny (laughs) at the time. What were some of the conflict points in those first seven, eight, nine months that you would just bump into? I mean, just to be real, because there's a lot of people who are right now listening to this and they're leaders and they've got this public image, but on the Mm -hmm. inside, and listen, Tony and I, my wife and I, we've been there too. I mean, you're leading publicly, but it's sort of, you feel like you're collapsing privately. Mm -hmm. What, um, what were some of the tension points that, Mm -hmm. that you had?
2: I mean, we did realize early in that first year in sharing uh, or leading a Bible study for married couples that the best thing we can do is share, the struggle mm. so we st- we really did start to share the struggles. I mean, one of the big ones and we write about it in the book, we do a whole section on conflict. I was conflict avoider. I uh. hated conflict. Um I didn't know this going into my marriage, but uh I brought in a history in my family. My mom and dad were divorced, both alcoholics. My mom had or excuse me, my dad had affairs. He was an airline wow. pilot. He used wow. to take me on trips with his girlfriends when I was a little boy not knowing this is my dad's girlfriend, you know, it's just, I barely barely remember it, but all I do remember is mom and dad would fight. Uh, Dad was not a happy drunk. He was a mean drunk. And so the fights got loud and I would run to my bedroom and hide and it ended in divorce. So here you are, you get married years later thinking you avoid conflict at all costs because it ends bad. And so again, we didn't talk about this before we got married, which is, you know, ridiculous. We should have, but You know, Ann and I would get in a conflict and I would literally get up and walk out of the room And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this.
1: And I had no understanding of where in the world he could be going because I come from a family that we dealt right. We dealt with conflict quickly and not always health. I, I wouldn't say it was always healthy because we were loud and we would yell, but Dave would get up and walk out of the room the first time this happened. I was shocked and I yelled at him. I said, come back here and fight me like a man, you chicken. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's-, That's exactly what she said. That's
0: phenomenal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not realizing how that would impact Dave as a man or anything. And we were a mess. I think the other thing that we really struggled with, we both had sexual pasts. I have sexual abuse in my background. Mm-hmm. And so just bringing that into the relationship too. I was, I was young. I was only 19. I felt super insecure. I wondered if Dave was comparing me to other women that he had been with. So there were just a lot of trust issues. Dave had a girlfriend that cheated on him. So he was, it was hard for him to trust me. We had no idea that all of that would impact us so much.
0: You really do kind of bring who you are into what you do. You know, Andy Stanley says there's no marriage issues. There's just people yeah. issues, him and her, yeah. and they bang up against each other. Exactly. And I think, do you agree with that? I mean, I'm not oh. asking you to publicly disagree with Andy Stanley, but I'm no. just saying I've found that particularly helpful in yes. my own understanding of what's going on in our marriage.
2: Yeah, and and for us, and I think a lot of couples face this, you sort of think... That stuff won't come into your marriage. I don't know why we yeah, have to. Yeah, you think you're bulletproof,
0: like, right? Yeah, it's yeah. this idea, I'm gonna be a leader. No nothing yeah. bad is ever gonna happen. I'm gonna get married. It'll be the best marriage ever. Yeah. And,
2: and then you yeah. look at each other and like, what in the world is in that bag? And it's like, well, that's <laughs> who I am. You know, I just carry this in. Like, no, I don't I didn't see that before. I don't want it. But one of the things we've enjoyed over the years, is, even though it's been hard, is unpacking that luggage together. Mm-hmm. You know the covenant of marriage says I'm going to stay here no matter what and this is going to be hard but let's figure it out. So here we are 30 almost 40 years later going okay, we didn't think we'd make it but it was worth it was worth the struggle. And I'm not saying the struggles are over but it was worth it and it is worth it.
1: I think even dealing with some of our sexual pain and past I feel like I totally know who Dave is and I'm not saying that we got into all the details of that. But I'm saying, I know where he comes from. I know what he's been through. And I still love him in the midst of that. And I, and that was hard for me at first, but there's something about the gospel of Jesus coming into our situations and he, he exposes all of our sin, all of our dirtiness. And yet he still says, well, I see that and I still love you. I'm still gonna die for you. I think that's the beauty of marriage that we can see each other fully and still love one another.
0: Yeah, you know, sex, and you got a section in your book on sex, but talking about bringing those issues into the marriage, what were some key, and we all bring stuff into the marriage, you know, whatever that is, but when it comes to uh, sexuality, how did you, how did you navigate that? Because that is, you know, sexual sin, I always teach it this way, sexual sin is not unforgivable, but it's just, it just carries baggage, For some reason, like no other sin in your life really does. You know, as people say, you can recover from bankruptcy fairly easily. Uh, It's still hard. But sexual sin, for some reason, just seems to have an extra degree of difficulty around it. So to the extent that you're comfortable sharing, how did you navigate those tensions that you brought into the marriage? Mm.
2: Well, I was just thinking, Carrie. I'm glad we're 10 minutes in and we're already talking about sex. So thank for <laughs> Yeah, you might as well, that. right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and You and brought actually, it up. You brought I know, it we, up. My wife brought it up, you know? It's <laughs> probably a good thing, right? <laughs> um, no, it, it is interesting. Um, you know, like you said, we did a whole section in the book because so yeah, many did. struggle in this area and we did and have as well. And Well, the interesting things when we went to write the book and you, you know, you're a writer, you know, how you lay out a book concept and idea and chapter by chapter. And we did that. We went away and we both had our laptops and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this chapter. You go write that chapter because we'd been speaking around the country about marriage and we sort of had, you know, what we wanted to say and. This is sort of funny and didn't know that as I'm working on my Google Docs, I can pull up her Google Docs and see what she's writing. Right. She doesn't even know I could do this. She's out on this deck and I look out there and I'm like, wow, she is going after. I can't believe she's, you know, typing away on her thing. I pull up the Google Docs and I see this chapter title we've never talked about. I don't even know what it means. It says Dave's neck problem. Right? (laughs) And I'm like, what is she writing? We haven't talked about what's Dave's neck problem. And so I start reading this chapter about my struggle with looking at women and pornography. And I'm like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, number one, this is never getting in this book. (laughs) I'm not letting anybody know about this struggle. This is a private little struggle that we worked through years ago. I'm not letting that happen. So at the end of that day, I'm like, Why did you write that? She goes, I think. People need to know know the real struggle that couples have, and we've had this struggle. So next day I sit down to write my chapters and I said, okay, I'm writing my side of that story. So I wrote Dave's <laughs> neck problem, Dave's perspective. And as you know, Carrie, both of those end up in the book. I know,
0: I got I got it right here. It's it's yeah. like and that's what it says. It's like Dave's Dave's <laughs> perspective and perspective on Dave's <laughs> neck problem. So, Ann, we'll go to you first. What was your perspective on Dave's neck problem?
1: (laughs) What was interesting, um, we were in Florida on a beach and we were talking on the beach. And as we're talking, I'm... First year of marriage? Yeah, first year of marriage. I'm realizing, whoa, my husband has a serious neck problem in that every time a beautiful young woman in her bikini walks past. He cannot stop his neck from turning and watching her go all the way down the beach. And wow. I'm standing right in front of him. And I said, really, really? Are you doing this right now? And he said, what? I go, I'm standing here talking to you and you're watching all these women on the beach. That makes me feel so insecure anyway. And he goes, I don't do that. And I said, Dave, I'm watching you. like." And so it was interesting. Yeah, I d-
2: I denied it you know, initially. Uh, and I honestly didn't realize I had the problem.
0: I was going to say, you probably, you didn't think you had a didn't problem. Even know. I didn't yeah. even know.
2: And then when I went to write my chapter, that's the first paragraph, I said, I think a lot of guys think that's normal. Like, Hey, that's just, you know, I'm a guy. I look at women. It's a big deal. And then, you know, as Anne confronted that, I started to realize, oh my goodness, she is right. I really do do this. And so um, it was the first time I think in my life I said, okay, I've got to deal with this temptation. It yeah, really sin, you know? And so it was a great thing in our marriage. It was very, very difficult, but I'm like, okay, how do I attack this? And, you know, looking back now, almost 30 some, almost 40 years later, again, not saying that thing's gone that I never, you know, want yeah, to yeah. struggle with that, but you know, it, and again, in the chapter, then I went through the whole st- journey of my life to the issue with porn which a lot of pastors don't want to talk about a lot of men oh, yeah. and women don't want to talk about it, and I just thought I got to talk about it it was real in my life it was a struggle I have victory here's how and I just wanted to help couples and men and women husband and wives be able to be honest with one another and say if you never talk about this you're never going to win as long as it's in the dark the dark wins mm. the second you bring it into the light victory, healing can start to begin. And I had kept it in the dark for decades, you know? And so now it's like, okay, here we go. It was hard. It was dark days in our marriage as we confronted this, but it it brought healing as well.
0: So how did you stop the neck from turning and your eyes from wandering (laughs) and then talk a little bit more about porn? And then Dave, I want to hear from you. And then Anna, I want to hear from you on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a
2: lot of, you know, self-help, you can do this, you can do that. I, I really believe for me, and that's what vertical means in vertical marriage, is I had to take it to Jesus. I really had to repent and own it up as, as sin in my life and go to him and say, okay, I'm going to start the journey for you to change my eyes, change my, and it's really your heart. Um, and so step one was talking to God about it. Step two was getting some guys in my life who I could be real with who could hold me accountable. Um, And we started walking the journey together. I'm still walking it with those guys. It's pretty cool. Now I get to walk it with my three sons, you know, in in this area of life. Again, I'm not saying that's a perfect thing, but it's something we had to talk about now as a father son. These are all grown men with, you know, wives and grandkids now for me, but man, that was a big step to say, not only am I, am I going to be honest with Ann, and tell her, which for a long time, I lied to her, said, oh, I'm fine. I, you know, I'm, I'm not struggling. And then when I told her that didn't go well, cause she, you know, <laughs> that yeah. was hard for her to hear, you know, but that's where it started. I had to bring it into the light with Ann, then with some men, and then to start get some healing to say, okay, what's really at the root of this? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I searching for this instead of finding intimacy in my own marriage? And so many guys, and not just men, but women, struggle with this as well and never get to the root. And as I started to get to the root, I mean, it connected all the way back to my dad issues, my broken family issues, all that stuff. I was but just going to ask you, you know,
0: what, what did you think the root was for you?
2: I really think I, and it's something that's not easy today, I have a a, a, a struggle with intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, with people. It's real easy as a pastor to stand on a stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people and appear very intimate because you share, you know, at our church, we're sort of known for being vulnerable and transparent. And yet I'm not vulnerable and transparent in my own kitchen.
1: I cannot believe you're talking about this.
2: I can't believe I'm saying
1: (laughs) this either, but it's real. Because this has been something in our marriage that's been big. Um, Even our sons have said some stuff to Dave. Like, dad, I want to know you. I really want to know
2: you. Like the congregation knows you better than I do. Yes. And it's almost like I'm more vulnerable in a sermon illustration than I would be in the family room. And I I find it easier to be vulnerable on stage than sitting across the couch from my wife or my son. Or at
1: the kitchen table with
2: us. Yeah. And that's a scary place to go. And I think the porn thing was like Mm -hmm. an escape. Mm -hmm. it's superficial. You think you're intimate, but it's just an escape. And so I had to get to the root of that and say, okay, what are you doing here? And you got to take some courageous steps to be intimate in real life rather than, than, than in fake life.
1: Wow.
0: I want to thank you so much for sharing that. And I'll just, I'll chime in here. This is your interview, not mine, but that, that's also an issue for me. It's Mm -hmm. much easier for me to be transparent publicly than it is privately. And that's something my wife and I are working with. I have a fear of intimacy. Mm. I don't know 100% where that comes from, but for Mm. real, for real, for real, that's a thing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Anne, your perspective on all that. How was it when Dave told you, yeah, I'm looking and
1: yeah. I was so upset, so broken, so hurt because I felt betrayed. I felt like, wow, you lied to me because I could tell something was up. I could tell there was a wall up and I couldn't define it. And I kept saying, like, I feel like there's something separating us. And he'd say, no, we're we're good, we're fine. And so finally, when it came out, I felt like, whoa, you not only did this, but you've also been lying to me, which was a double hit to my heart. And I didn't respond well. I yelled. um, I was shattered by it. It brought out all of my insecurities. And I also have sexual abuse in my background Mm. with with different people. And so talk about bringing up stuff where you feel like as a woman, you're just an object or as a woman, you've had abuse. So this almost felt like another betrayal with that because it was sexual in nature. And so... I really found myself going to God and saying, are you seeing this? Are you seeing what's going on, Lord? Because I need your perspective. Because it really did shatter my self-esteem. I think we live in a culture where as women and men now, there's such a comparison. There's so much on the internet where we're constantly comparing ourselves, feeling inadequate and not enough. And so, of course, that brings up all those insecurities. And it was a great journey for me in discovering my own identity of who I am apart from the physical realm apart from all of what the world says is beauty and that was a great journey to me for me to go on with God because he's saying no this is who you are in this is who you are not just a woman of of flesh but you are a warrior for me you are my beloved daughter you i ha- you have a place in the kingdom i have gifted you and so it was this great truth and identity where I feel like there's such a spiritual warfare in this where Satan is continually telling us lies that we're not enough. And so I think what happened for me, and it took, I, I, it took me a while, didn't it? That I could be Dave's partner in it of saying, how can I help you? What can we do? How can we talk about this as partners?
2: Yeah. I would just add, I don't want anybody to think we solved this in a couple months. Yeah. yeah. It really okay. was, it was, it was years. Yeah. Um, um, not, not just me getting victory, but us getting. Becoming partners. Yeah. Becoming partners in it. It was really hard. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people and especially pastors. It's, you know, it's an area in Christian leadership that's often a secret. And, you know, we're up there leading a congregation or leading a community and, you know, we want it to be, our leadership is an overflow of our heart and our walk with God. And I think that's what the people want. And when you've got something like this going on or your marriage is really in trouble and you won't ever uh, deal with it, it's, you're, you're up there faking it. Mm -hmm. And at some point it's going to be exposed. And I think there's so many in in Christian leadership that their marriages are really struggling. It's one of the reasons we wrote the book. We said, man, you got to tell somebody, you got to be real, Mm -hmm. And meet God in the middle of this thing. And not only will he meet you in your marriage, he's going to make your ministry better yeah. because you're going to be authentic in front of your people. And it won't be just a sermon. It'll be real life. And then then the effect of the ministry will be an overflow because it's authentic and coming from your heart.
1: And I think what happened for Dave and I, this was really, it was the, it was why we wrote the book because at 10 years into our marriage, when Dave would be up there speaking, hmm. I would be rolling my eyes like oh, whatever. And wow. we we were really struggling because I did think like dude, you are not even living this out at home. And it was it was traumatic and it was really an area and a time that we were in trouble.
2: And I just add, Carrie, I didn't want her to be that
0: honest. <laughs> Come on.
3: <laughs> Gee whiz.
0: <laughs> I want to get to your 10th anniversary, but you've mentioned a couple of times the sexual abuse that you experienced. How do, and, and again, I don't want to ask anything inappropriate, but how, because yeah. there, there are thousands of people listening and that's their story. Uh, yeah. Women, but also men.
1: Yeah. How,
0: do, how did you move through that? within the context of a committed relationship
1: well it's interesting because i had told dave about it when we got married and so it wasn't a secret but i had no idea how when we came into marriage together how it would affect me we were in seminary together before we had kids and we were taking some classes on how to do counseling as because we knew we would be in full-time ministry And so really, as we went through this counseling class, that's when it all came out.
2: It became a counseling class for us. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: I found myself reliving and going back into it, being kind of going through all the grief and anger and telling Dave about it. Um, But I'm not sure, Dave, that you really, did you, do you feel like you really got it at that point?
2: No, I initially just thought, again, it's in the past. It's going to stay in the past. It really isn't going to have that much implication in the present. I was that naive, mm. you know, and I, I I do remember reading Dan Allender's book, Wounded Heart. Right.
1: I had read that and I asked Dave, please read this so you get it.
2: And that's when it hit me. He has a chapter in there for the spouse of someone that's been abused. And he just basically says, wake up. This is going to be an issue. It doesn't just, you know, go away when you get married She, he has brought that into your marriage and here's how you need to respond. And so first thing I need to do is listen, you know, say, tell me, I don't need details, but just tell me how this has affected you and hurt you and how I can help. And, and started to share. And again, I was like, my first thought was, well, you know, get over it. You know, it's 10 years, 20 years ago. And yet I was like, no, you just don't get over that. That is not a get over it. It's like, we got to walk through a process together. So now I look back again, this was 30 years ago. I look back and thank God we walked through that together. That's the beauty and the pain, mm. uh, you know, the victory and in the in the darkness and the valley of marriage together. Mm. But it's, it, it it's, was hard.
1: It's this beautiful agony that we go through in marriage. What happened too, as we got into our physical intimacy, as we're married, as we get busy, as we're having kids, what ha- happened was Dave wasn't as affectionate. And so mm. sex to me felt like, whoa. I'm just an object, right. you know, so that brought up all the pain of feeling that, as a kid growing up, feeling like I'm just an object. And so, even that, I feel like there were times it would surface. and even i I felt like when we started Kensington, I felt like I wanted to talk about this on stage. and um so i re- I'll never forget this day. I shared my entire story at church at Kensington, and um. I felt this great relief in exposing it of saying that God can meet you in the midst of that. He can heal you. It's not an overnight process, but in time, he comes in and just continues to heal those wounds. And afterwards, I got this note from a woman, and she said, you glorified Satan today. I was rushed. Yes. She just felt like by exposing it and showing kind of what had happened in my life. Uh, it wasn't glorifying to Jesus. And nothing could have crushed me more because I felt like, no, God gets the victory in this because he's our yeah, healer. He's the yeah. one that comes in. We expose the lie. We expose the sin. And yet God comes in and mercifully restores us and heals us. But I feel like to keep it in the dark, really just Satan can have his way to bring it out into the light. uh. It just, it frees us. I feel like every time I have shared that, I have received more healing. And if I can set someone else free through it, that would be the greatest thing that I could do. Two questions.
0: Uh, The Dan Allender book, what's the name? We'll link to it in the show notes.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, The name Uh, is Wounded Heart. I think it's- Okay, Wounded Wounded Heart. Okay, that we'll link to hurt. that
0: in the show notes. Also, this may have been years ago, so it may not be available, but is that message available when you've spoke, or is a message, a time that you've told that story, available?
1: Um, Actually. Because
0: we'll link to it.
1: Yeah, not that one, because it was, it was so long ago. It was a long time
0: ago, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> was, I mean, was the 90s. I did just one a
1: few weeks ago at church, a little bit about that. Yeah, and yeah. Well, if we can <laughs> get it,
0: just check we the show notes, that. listeners. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll link to that, but that... You know, and, and obviously we're not just talking about that, but I really appreciate you sharing that. Let's uh let's move forward to your tenth anniversary. Um you tell the story so well in the book. So Dave, you're Mr. Romance. Tell us how you how you laid down the tenth anniversary gauntlet and how awesome you were.
2: That was a pretty awesome night, I think. I, I don't you know, I'm sort of known as a cheapskate around here. So to go to a nice restaurant and dress up and you know do the whole 9 yards and it's a long story but bottom line is um it was a 10 year anniversary so i'm thinking our marriage is really great and we're going to go out and celebrate how great our marriage is i had all these little surprises in the night and one of them was i gave the waiter 10 roses when we got to the restaurant and i said hey when i give you a look just bring one rose over at a time so i gave mm-hmm. him a look and he brought a rose and he laid it right in the middle of the table And that was year one. So we talked about year one. Then I looked at him again and he brought another one. So we did all 10 years, one rose at a time.
0: It was pretty pretty romantic. Like you get some points for that.
2: Yeah. Listeners can take notes on that one. So, (laughs) so, so, uh, and again, you know, I'm sitting there thinking it's romantic. We're having a nice meal and we're doing what Ann loves to do. Talk. (laughs) T a a a a l k. She (laughs) don't want to talk. She wants to talk about our relationship. So, we're driving home, and I had one last little surprise, and that was the pull into the parking lot of this middle school where we had just signed a contract that we were going to rent their cafetorium to start our church in just right. a few months. And Anne hadn't seen this place, and it's about midnight, and I thought, this will be fun. We'll pull in there. Nobody will be there. We'll park in the back of the parking lot, and we'll pray that God's going to just do something great in this school and start a church there. And then I thought it would be fun to just go parking.
0: Parking. Yeah, there you, know you go. parking is, right? They do that yeah, in Canada? I, I, yes, we are aware of that. Yep.
2: <laughs> so I that know was the term. Idea. Yeah. Now, the scary thing was, it's not going to go well. We're in a Honda Accord, you know, <laughs> so and it wasn't like any kind of room. But long story short, I lean over to kiss Anne in the front seat and she turns her head. Oh, boy. And so I thought she just, just didn't know, you know, like, hey, I'm mm. trying to kiss you. So I tried again. And she definitely turns away. And so I'm just perplexed because it's been this unbelievable night, romance, the whole thing. And so I just step back and say what every husband doesn't want to ask. But I asked this question. I just said, is something wrong? (laughs) And she said, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because Dave and I, at this point in our marriage, we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Dave was the Lions for the Detroit Lions. Dave was the chaplain for the Detroit Lions. So he was on the road traveling with the team. We were just starting Kensington and we had just started speaking for Family Life Weekend to remember. We had a lot on our plate and Dave was gone more and more, of course. And we had this dream to start this church with two other couples. We're super excited about it. But I almost felt like, wait a minute, like this was our dream together. You're off doing your thing and I'm left here feeling like you're running off without me and you're leaving me in the dust. Hmm. Um, and so we were fighting a lot. And it's so funny because Dave thought we had this great marriage and I thought we are in trouble. Yeah. And so on this 10 year anniversary, I did think, dude, you are awesome. Like this was yeah. amazing. You've pulled out all the stops. But when he went to kiss me, I thought, oh, I can't even go there. I I have nothing. If Dave thought our marriage was a ten. I thought we were a 0.5, honestly, a one, probably closer to a 0.5. And I was even more mad that he didn't know we were there. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, how do you not know how bad we're doing? And so when he said, is something wrong? At first, I didn't want to talk about it because I thought tonight was great. You put so much into it. But I also thought you're too late. You're too late. And so I told him at that point, I just said, Dave, I've lost all my feelings for you. I've got nothing. I've got nothing left. And I was expecting him to get so angry. This was our pattern. He'd get defensive and he'd get angry and I would get angry. And I thought, here it goes, here it goes again. But this night it went a little different.
2: Yeah. So when she said, I lost my feelings for you, I mean, that was the moment, you know, I was like, I never wanted to hear that ever from my wife. And here we are. And I knew I could tell by the way she said it. This was not flippant. This was uh, this had been brewing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all I had to do is just think back over the last few months and trying to start this church and meeting with our core team and leading this. I mean, I was just gone all the time. And again, she's right. I started to get defensive. I was going to prove to her that I was actually home more than she said, because she started to share.
0: Did you not pull out your calendar? Is, is I reached right? for it. Yeah, yeah you. I
2: actually did. You know, back then it was on a you know paper yeah. in a little yeah, yeah, Franklin planner. You probably remember those. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was in the back seat, and so <laughs> I'm reaching back there, and she's sharing how her heart went from bitterness to resentment, and I honestly, and this doesn't happen very often in my life, but I heard the voice of God, and it wasn't an audible voice, just a nudge from the Holy Spirit that lives inside my my soul, and he said, "Shut up." It was that clear, Carrie's like, was like, wow. shut up. Don't touch that planner. Listen. It was just two words, shut up. And so I didn't open my planner. I didn't, she didn't even know I was reaching for it. I just pulled my arm back and I sat there and I said, tell me more. And she did. And then uh, I heard one more time, the Lord said one word and it was simply this, repent. And here's the, here's the thing. You know, you're a preacher. You you preach. I preach. I know what the word repent means. I know metanoia in the Greek. I know I've preached it. I've called people to repent. And so it was really interesting. I knew in one word from God what he meant by this word in my life. Repent in my life was this. I was lukewarm. I was... Up in front of people speaking, I was up in front leading Bible studies. I was doing chapels with the Lions players, doing marriage counseling with the players. And my walk with God was almost non-existent. I was opening the word of God for one reason, get a a Bible study, get a sermon, go give it. I'd be leading meetings and I'd be praying on the run. I mean, I just hadn't been sitting and being intimate with God like I had for years, you know, Mm. for decades. That was my daily routine. And I tell you, I don't know how many pastors do this, but I was like doing ministry for God and leaving God in the dust. It just was sort of, you know, you you can get pretty good at it, actually. Oh, yeah. You learn learn how to do a good sermon and how to move a room and you can do it without even God. It was just and that's what I was doing. And so here's what one word in my car that night meant. Repent meant if you think you can solve this marriage, just you two horizontally, it'll never happen. You have to put me first. I knew that in one word. This marriage has no hope unless Jesus really is what I say he is, the center and the foundation. I say it, I preach it. I'm not living it. And so I knew in one word, God was calling me back to him. And I, and Carrie, I didn't think of this, this, that, that night, but later it hit me. What does he say in, in revelation two to the church at Laodicea that he says you've lost your first love. And that's where mm-hmm. I was. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. And so Again, I didn't have that thought in my mind, but I knew I needed to repent right then and there. In other words, go vertical, put him first, and then let's talk because we still have something to talk about. Yeah, but yeah. If We don't have hope without God's power. And so I right there said to Ann, I said, hey, you don't need to do this, but I do, and I need to do it right now. And she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, I just, I just need to do this. And I felt like I needed to be on my knees which I don't always pray on my knees, but that night I felt like I need to be in full submission, full surrender. And so to this day, I don't know how I did it in the front seat of a Honda Accord, but (laughs) I pushed the seat back and I got on my knees on the floorboard there and put my elbows on the driver's seat. And I just prayed out loud. I said, God, I repent. I'm lukewarm. You're not number one. I, I say you are. I tell others you are. I tell others to make you number one, but you're not number one in my life. And I need to put you back in control and I need to serve you and only you. And I ask you to make me the husband I my wife longs for and the dad my kids need. Um, I surrender my life and my marriage back to you. Help me. And so then I turn to Anne like, OK, let's, let's talk. And I turn not knowing because my eyes were closed. I look over and she's on her knees mm-hmm. on the front seat of the passenger side.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting Um, when I saw Dave get on his knees and he started to pray out loud, I was instantly convicted. It's so interesting. I love Proverbs and the practicality of scripture because Proverbs, a verse in Proverbs says. um, Gentle answer. (laughs) Yeah, I just got the verse. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And Dave's response wasn't in anger. He just said, I want to hear your heart. And so that softened my heart. But then when I heard him praying out loud, I was convicted because I realized I felt like God was saying to me, Ann Wilson, you have been trying to find your life through Dave and I never equipped him or created him to meet all of your needs. That's my job. And I realized I had made Dave and our marriage an idol in my life. I just thought I had almost taken my eyes off of Jesus thinking, if Dave the pastor would get his life together, I would be happy and our family would be great if he would just get his act together. And I really realized like that it almost became my focus, my obsession, like, oh, if he would just do this and that, we would be great and I would be happy. And I felt like God was saying, no, that is not his job. That's my job. I'm the one that needs to bring that to you. And so I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I've been in sin. I've made my marriage. I've made my husband an idol. And you are the source of my life. You are the source and meaning of my life. So I resurrender and put our marriage, my life on the altar. And you need to help us, Lord, because we give this all back to you, make our marriage what you want it to be. And it was interesting. That was a pivotal point in our marriage. And the beginning of change. It didn't happen overnight. I wish it would have just happened overnight. Yeah, yeah. Because feelings, when you lose feelings, it takes a while to get those back. And there's something about being in ministry too. When you have a partner in ministry, there's a guilt factor that goes with that. You feel guilty about feeling like you need time because they're giving their time to God. So you feel <laughs> so like, you're like you're stealing com-
0: from Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. You feel like you're in competition with Jesus and like, oh, he should always win. So it's hard to know whether you should say anything or not.
0: I don't want to sound trite. That's a powerful, powerful story. But I want to ask you guys, because I think a lot of people listening have had moments like that, like recalibration moments. But Mm -hmm. practically now, almost three decades later, what does that mean? Like, how do you know God is first? Because in the same way, that you, know, you kind of realize in that moment you were lukewarm. I think it's really easy to trick ourselves, or at least for me, speaking personally, that of course God is first. I mean, I sat yeah. in that chair this morning at 5.30 <laughs> in the morning and I read my Bible and I prayed and I journaled and I, I I wrote down things I'm grateful for, but is God really first? Like, what does that actually mean? Mm. What What does that mean for you guys? Mm. I mean, in in the simplest terms, it would be
2: not my will, your will be done. I mean, as trite as that even sounds, uh, it's really a surrender daily then of uh, it isn't about me. It isn't about what I want. It isn't even about what Ann wants or Dave wants. It's about what God wants for us in our marriage. And, and, and in some ways, it's a resurrender daily, as you know. It's almost hourly. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, it's one thing to get on your knees in a, in a car a in a in a, in a dramatic moment. It's another thing to do that daily. Um, and one of the things that we started to to do, which did change us, is we started to pray together
3: mm-hmm.
2: daily as a couple. You know, I was praying, she was praying. We oh, I to admit this too. We just... rarely prayed together as a couple. And, you know, and it made our church probably thought we did, but we didn't. And it was like a rhythm we said, we need to bring this in our marriage, because that that means we're going vertical, but now we're going vertical
1: together and that changed us. I think there's a drift that can happen with our own walk with God and in our marriage. I think the world just pulls us apart. Our the world pulls us away from Jesus. The fact that you had that time with Jesus at 5:30 in the morning, I'm like, well, that is putting Jesus first. Yeah. Because yeah. you're you're hearing his call. You're you're spending time with him to make sure he's there. I I think for Dave and I, we both drifted from that, yeah. even those uh, disciplines. Uh, so to pray together, what happened is the The further we were going apart in our marriage and God, I didn't want to pray with Dave. And here's what I thought. Mm. I thought, well, if you're not going to initiate prayer, I'm not going to initiate prayer because that's your job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so then Uh. neither of us would pray. And so we go to bed in silence and isolation. But I felt like God was saying, if I put prayer on your heart, then don't wonder about Dave. Just put your hand on him and pray. And who cares if he prays or not? This is about me and you, and you're praying. And so there is this, I feel like the enemy hates it when we pray together. There's such a power in unity. When you don't like each other, it's hard to pray. So that was the (laughs) first thing. We started to date weekly. And here, I love that Dave did this, because we would go out weekly, Carrie, when we had done this before, but we were getting lax in it. But this time, we would sit down, and this is what Dave hated this. And here's what he would say to me. On a scale of one to 10, how do you think we're doing in our marriage? And I'm telling you, that's so courageous because he thought my number is always going to be higher and your number is going to be less. And then I'd give him a number every week and he would say this to me, how do you think we can get that number higher? Right. I mean, that's just boldness. Because but you it hated was-
0: it, Dave, did you?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I like going out on dates. <laughs> you know, because we'd go get a good meal and go to a movie and hopefully come home and make love. That's what right. my great date would be. But I realized after that night, she really longed to talk. And she wanted to talk about us. And I tell you, I avoided it. Why? We've already talked about it. I'm afraid of intimacy anyway. Uh-huh. This is going to get intimate real quick. And it's not going to go well because I'm going to, she's going to think we're not doing as
1: well You're, as I do. And you thought I would you thought you would always be in trouble.
2: Always be in trouble. So I, you know, I was the guy that thought if you got to talk about it, there's something wrong. You know, if you don't have to talk about it, we're great. So I never talked about it. So, but I tell you what, going on those dates and we still do this and I, and I'm not kidding. We made it a weekly rhythm, which mm. so, so many you would ask for the scorecard, right? Yeah. We were like, let's go out, let's get a sitter. Let's, let's make, I, I tell you, One of the quarterbacks that came in the Detroit Lions years ago, the first thing he said to me when he got here was, can you find me a babysitter? I need her every Monday night. I go, what for? He goes, we date. I go, you date during the season? He goes, we date. In every city I've been in, I get a sitter, and I want the same girl every Monday, and I'm taking Jenny out. I tell you, it's one of the best marriages I've seen in the NFL. And part of it was, we're going to make this a priority, even in a high-stress job and it was the same thing for us. I Man, you talk about ministry, you talk about a high stress job. Everybody wants your time. And so many of us as leaders don't say, no, the most important person in my life is my spouse mm-hmm. and even my children, right? So we had to carve that out and say, we're protecting this. I'm not going to go take a speaking gig that's going to give me a good honorarium in place of this. This is written in pen, it's mm-hmm. not pencil. Other things are going to be moved. but the, And so that was like a priority that we had said was important, but weren't living. And now it had to be and the, real.
1: the things that are important to us get our time. Like, I, I mean, I work out and that's always been a priority. Like, I'm going to get my workout in. But it's interesting how we can let things slide like that time with Jesus, that intimate time. Mm-hmm. Those relationships that are so important, we have to work at those to keep them vital and thriving with our walk with God and our relationship with our husbands and even our kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, what I said earlier about my time with Jesus, it's like, yeah, it is a daily rhythm, but sometimes I can still be a jerk. That's my challenge. You know? So yeah, not me.
2: That's, We're never that way. No. Not us.
0: Yeah. How, how, so almost four decades of marriage, um, obviously, well, maybe it's perfect, but most of us who have been married even a long time, what are some of the challenges you continue to navigate and how are you navigating them?
2: I think for me, it's still a battle of uh, the calendar and time. Mm-hmm. I can easily be drawn to sexier things, ministry opportunities, um, church things going on, then and, and pull myself even away. I mean, we're empty nesters. There's no kids living here anymore. It's just Ann and I, and yet I can find ourselves. Now, one of the, the neat things about writing a book together is we did it together. And, you know, 50% of the book is my words and 50% is Ann's words. And yet, so as we go around the country and talk about it, it's it's a blast to do together. Yeah. And we're doing the, you know, the radio and podcast together. So that's really been fun. But I know this, I can be pulled away and lured away and not, I can say it again, that she's my priority priority, and often neglect that. And it's really interesting. The thing that she experienced growing up in her family was not being seen she was the youngest, you know, and the brothers were seen and the sister was seen and she was like missed. And here I am her husband not seeing her as well. So it's a, it's a deep wound that really gets at her. And you know, couples have a lot of couples have the same issue, sort of carousel around in their marriage. I was going to
0: say, you know, it's funny how 30 years later, it's still almost, it's a different version of the same thing. I I can relate to that. I can a hundred percent relate to that. And what would you say?
1: Um, I, I think for Dave and I, we are really fortunate in that God's been, has called us into ministry together. Yeah. But one of the things that I've seen with so many couples that as their kids are getting older or their kids are leaving, they're wondering, what's our mission? Like mm-hmm. we were raising these kids together that, that joined us, that, that combined our passions, but now what? And I think so many couples are wondering, well, what's our mission now? And I just feel like, oh, God has so much for us as couples. And um, but but so that's not one of ours. I think the thing that I will always struggle with in our marriage, even though I've realized that I think it's really important for couples to recognize the pain in your past comes into your present. So recognize if you're struggling with your pain in your present, go back to the extension cord of what it's connected to, because I always know that's going to be my little button of, oh, I'm not seen. Am I important? Do I matter? Am I here? And so that's always mine. It's just helpful that we're doing it together now. But I wonder about Dave sometimes like, oh, is that lure of ministry always more fascinating than me?
0: Whoa. Yeah. You know, and I think you've just owned uh, a lot of, I mean, Tony and I, my wife and I this week had a conversation and that would be her complaint at the worst part of our marriage is that everything won out over her. And it is not that same intensity, but I mean, the opportunities, as you guys know, they come in every single day. And you're flying here and you're flying there and you got this and you got that. And, you know, and it's like, do I really matter? Am I, you know, we were just talking about our rhythm this week and how we need to recalibrate again. And, and the empty nest years are really interesting. We're just into them now. Uh, but you have a lot of time together, you know, (laughs) And as you know.
2: Yeah. And I, and I do think, I know you've written about this. I think, uh, starters, you know, entrepreneurs, business leaders, church planners, starters that like are Mm -hmm. catalytic and start new things that can pull us. We get excited about that kind of stuff. And if it, if it has a little bit of success, it's like a drug. You're just addicted to it. And you're like, come on, honey, just, just come with me, you know? And she's like over there going, and, and it could be the other way. It could be the wife doing this, but it's like, do I matter? And and at the end of the day, we both know this. When it's all said and done, the thing that matters most is who's with me. Yeah. And if I've left her in the dust and I've accomplished all these great things, I mean, how many business owners would tell you that? I I was very successful. I lost my marriage and it's empty.
0: Yeah. And it's no different. Oh yeah. And and you know what's so interesting, Dave, is we know that. We know that. Yeah. But (laughs) it is like like intellectual knowledge and heart knowledge are very different things. And you know, the other thing, just for the free counseling session here uh, that's happening. But, you know, for those of us who fear intimacy, activity is a great substitute and a great yeah. way to avoid it. Right. You just keep that calendar full or full okay. enough or you're alone. Go ahead. Anne. I
1: have a question for you two men. Don't do this.
0: This <laughs> is not your interview.
1: As a spouse, <laughs> as a spouse of somebody that maybe that's hard for a, a guy or a woman to be intimate, you know, in their relationship, what do we do? What do you think would be the best thing to do? to draw men out or women out into that area? I'm going to let Carrie
0: answer that. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) It'd be interesting to see what Tony would have to say. Uh, I, this is where my gut, my head goes. This is really, okay. We've all talked about stuff that we've never talked about before. So this is good. (laughs) Now we're, now we're equal. I would say empathize with what I'm called to do. Don't see it as competition. Oh,
3: that's see good.
0: it as a compliment. Um, now, too much of it, disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is actually the meaning and the purpose of my life mm-hmm. and something that we have been called into together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my great joys right now, Tony's a, a lawyer by practice and she retired her practice a year ago so that we could spend more time together as my life got, you know, fuller and busier. And, uh, you know, we're heading off to London together next week, England, and, uh, we've done trips together and it's just, it's the most rewarding and meaningful thing in the world to do it. But that just because you're together doesn't mean, you know, her love language is quality time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mine is acts of service and words of affirmation. So I'd rather have you do something for me. She's like, no, just sit and be still and pay attention to me. And I'm like, can we do something else? Um, so, you know, that's just, that's, that's the particular poison in our relationship. And we're doing better at it, but you don't, I don't know that you solve that.
3: Mm, what would you say, Dave?
0: What do you think would help you? You know, the thing that first, first came to my
2: mind has been a struggle for us that I, I think we've seen victory in. And we write about it in the book in the, in the area of all I hear is boo, and what I meant by that is, there was a story in our in our marriage where we were talking to a women's group, and I just basically said it's a very long story, but the short end of it was, I feel like as a man, and a lot of men feel this, we get cheered everywhere we go as a little boy of sports or music or yeah. you know whatever it is, somebody's sort of cheering us, our mom or dad, a teacher, a coach. We choose our wife, and because she says yes to marrying us, she's saying, of all the men in the world, I choose you. So it's another cheering, applauding. We get married. It's like, this is awesome. I've got my biggest cheerleader. She's going to be there. Yeah. And I shared this in at, at, at a, at a public setting and I'd never told Ann this, so this didn't go well. But we oh yeah, together. when you
0: share publicly? Yeah.
1: yeah. Go ahead. And yeah. we were together and I was like, oh, what's he sharing? This is new. This is interesting. Yeah. And then,
2: so then I said, so then after you're married for a while, you come home and all you hear is boo, boo. And you know, we look at each other, and we had a long talk after that little sermon. But but, <laughs> but, what ended up happening is it led us to a conversation that I really did feel that. I felt like everywhere I go, not everywhere, but most places I yeah. go, I get applauded. You know, at the office, mm. when I do a sermon leading the church, Bible say, you know, people are saying, you're the man. Good job. You're great. I come home, and I felt critiqued. I felt like a disappointed. I even said to you Anne, I said— You feel like I you're said, failing all the time. Yeah. I said, I Which know you love me. out. I don't think you like me. And she sort of looked mm-hmm. at me like, well, I'm trying to make you better. You know, and so all that to say this, I feel like when I'm being pulled and Anne's feeling left in the dust, when she actually affirms who I am, yeah, it pulls me back. And it's ah. the last thing you want to do to somebody that seems like they're pulling away. But it's like, man, I see this in you. It's greatness. I see this. It's like a ma- it's respect, you know, and it's like. Yeah, a it is. That's man. that Emerson, Eddrick's like, thing sort of want to run home. You sort of want to be with that person, whether it's another guy, you know, a friend saying that or your wife. And so I found that when Ann has a, a, a approved me and cheered me, I don't want to run away from her. I want to be with her. And but again, you, I know that's a simplistic answer, but it really does pull my heart back to her.
1: And, and it makes you bring down walls, kind of. You feel safer to bring. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: To be vulnerable and authentic because she's my cheerleader. She's my yeah. partner and she isn't mm. booing when I'm coming in the door or saying there you go again she's actually saying way to go how can i help you and i and i sort of want to say no to other things and see, and say yes to her mm. yeah
0: any other thoughts on that ann that's good thanks for asking the question <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i think for for me as a woman i i'm a strong woman and i had a fear of being a doormat of not having a voice and i really <laughs> did think i would see these things in dave and Here's what I this is embarrassing to say, poor Dave, but I would think, whoa, I see who you are on the stage. I see who you are as a leader. Can that guy come and live in our house? <laughs> she actually yes. said
0: those words to me once. <laughs> I may have heard that those words at some point in our twenty-eight years. <laughs>
1: And I, and I realized that that sounded like boo today, but I was thinking like, are you kidding me? I am helping you. I'm, I'm booing. Of course. I'm pointing out the things that need to improve. Doesn't that motivate you? And it, basically, no, that doesn't motivate uh, any no. of us. Doesn't right?
2: motivate me. Nope. Hey, Carrie, Carrie, here's an amazing quote I just read today. Great. And you don't even know this. This is on, on Twitter. Somebody I follow on Twitter said this, the flaws that she sees and the things that hurt her are the very things God most wants to address in you. Your spouse becomes a mirror through which you see where God wants to move next. Guess who tweeted that out?
1: Oh, is that the famous Carrie Newhall? Yeah. yeah.
0: Carrie, that you know own- what? That may have been after a very painful conversation with my wife where <laughs> <laughs> the Lord kept saying to me, would you just look inside? Yeah. Would you just take this one. It's interesting because I think that is that is the power of a long-term relationship yep. yeah. is nobody sees you more naked. Nobody yes. sees you more who you really are. Mm-hmm. And nobody has that kind of access where they can actually see, ah, this is perhaps. So it was just, it was a lesson for me, man.
2: Oh, I mean, that that is a great quote because it's so mm. true. It's like God wants to sanctify us and he's going to use our spouse. Well, and that's a hard thing. I was teaching
0: myself thing. Yeah, <clears throat> with that tweet.
1: I love what Andy Stanley said. He said one time, your spouse should be able to know how much God loves them by the way you treat them. Yeah. And I thought,
0: whoa, that is so good. It was either Andy Stanley uh, or me. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> it's confusing sometimes, isn't it? To to know who said it better. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's, a, here's a, a, man, this has been so rich, so rich, so rich. I know you've helped so many leaders, so many people uh, and given people hope. But um, you have raised several times and I have lived in the tension myself of leading publicly while struggling privately. How did you navigate that? Because it got pretty tense at times. You're leading marriage seminars and planting a church while you're like, I don't have any feelings for you anymore. How, how did that happen? Like, how, do, how did you manage that tension? Um, because I don't sense hypocrisy, I sense real. Do you know what I mean? And maybe, maybe sometimes what we do in ministry publicly is what we want to be. And then we come home to who we are.
2: Yeah, that's a very good way to say it. I think we learned early the best way to do ministry is to be real and authentic. We've been told our book is too real, too raw. You know, the first person who read it said, man, my marriage is a lot better than yours. <laughs> which which to us, it was a really good friend. To us, good that was you. a compliment. That I, was a compliment. My dad, yeah.
1: who is 90, he's been married 69 years Called me and said, you are so mean to your husband.
2: (laughs) 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 So all that to say, I really believe, and it's really a goal in every sermon and every Bible study, anything we lead, we want people to feel that we struggle like they do. Like they're like, we're not in a different world. And, you know, because we're a minister or something we're we're living on a higher plane, know that we have brokenness and we struggle just like they do. But at the same time, and I consciously think about this when I write sermon notes, it's like, I also want them to feel like there's a power of God that's real in the yeah. middle of their struggle that I may not know. And that's what I want to know. I want to want to know what vertical marriage really feels like in a home. So, Sort of both. I always want, we, we say it this way at our church at Kensington, it's a value. It's like we we recognize and reveal our brokenness to point to the power of God. So it isn't just we recognize and reveal it. That could be just the end. Like, okay, you struggle I, like me, but I have no hope. That becomes despair.
0: Yeah, but at yeah. the
2: end, it's like you are like me, but you're not like me because you, you discovered a secret. You discovered, which isn't a secret, you discovered what the gospel can do in a man, in a woman, in a husband, a wife, in a family that's beautiful. And I want that Mm. there, there really is victory. And again, it's not happy, happy Jesus all the time, but it's, it's in the, in the brokenness. There's a God that's still there and he can, he can bring you through that and it's going to be hard, but he's there. And so that is what we've discovered is real ministry. Mm. People respond to that. And that's what Jesus was on the cross. Mm. He was broken. And yet that's Mm. our connection point with him that led us to Mm. victory.
1: I I have an illustration of that when I'm trying to learn how to cheer for Dave and how to bring the gospel into my marriage of seeing my spouse, seeing Dave the way Jesus sees him. And so when I had gotten in this habit of booing Dave and critiquing him, thinking that that would help and motivate him, I decided to go to God and say, God, what does this look like? And help me to not speak anything before I first take it to you, which is hard for me because I'm a verbal processor. So this one night, Dave came home and he said, man, I've been getting all this critique lately on my messages as I'm preaching and as I'm leading. I just feel like I'm continually critiqued. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but this is kind of around that 10 year, little maybe 12 years. I remember thinking, well, and I almost said it, well, if you'd spend more time with Jesus, your sermons would be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus I, I juked
0: him before Acuff came up with that. That's great.
1: But, but you know, I took, I, I didn't say it. I took that thought and I said, Jesus, here's my question. Should I say it? If I should say it, should I say it now? And if I should say it, how should I say it? And just to give that, like to, to bring God the vertical mm-hmm. into it first, say, God, what does this look like? And I've had this thought come into my mind. And I thought, this is only God because God brought this to me. And I said to Dave, wow, I can't imagine how hard it is for you and the weight that you carry because you feel probably responsible for thousands of spiritual walks with God. People are putting their walk with God like you must feel the burden of people's spiritual walk. You know, it's based on you. And I said, what a heavy thing for you to carry. And it was interesting, I, I said that and he grabbed me, we were going to bed and he pulled me and he hugged me and he whispered in my ear, you are my life. And I think about that like, whoa, I think about the many times that I've critiqued him or I've said things that don't bring life. But as we go vertically to Jesus and say, Lord, how can I encourage my spouse? Like, what can I say? You know, should I say it first of all? And if I should say it, what is that? How would you say it? And I feel like that's so, Jesus brings truth and life to every situation when we go to him first. It's not easy as leaders in ministry and pastors. And I think that, but we are also, we carry so much weight in one another's worlds.
0: And I'm so glad you said that. I'm a verbal processor. And uh, that is something I am actually going to adopt. That's so tangible because I know what I think after I say it, which is so dangerous sometimes. I mean, it makes you a good blogger and a half-decent tweeter, but a terrible human being sometimes. And I think take it to Jesus before you say it out loud. And that is a really good refining thing. That that is really good. Well, um, any oh yeah, is there a question about marriage you wish someone would ask you that nobody's asked you? Well, you've asked a few. Yeah, I've asked a couple.
2: (laughs) We've we've had a good time together. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I I mean it's it is really interesting Uh, when we went on the Today Show. You know, it was sort of a fun deal, and we didn't know what we didn't know anything. They wouldn't tell us any questions. Just show up. And it's sort of scary thinking millions of people are going to watch this. And yet Craig Melvin, one of the hosts, his question at the very beginning was so insightful. I thought that's the question everybody's asking. He said this. So, you know, you get God in your marriage and it all just works out. Is that how it goes? Hmm. You know, he was trying to understand vertical marriage. And I, and in some ways, I think that's a good question because it's really easy for people that even go to church just think, okay, I get God in my marriage. And what else? What? Because it doesn't work. You know, like just add a little Jesus and my marriage is going to be good. I've tried that, dude. Come on. Give me something else because it's not working. Right. And I do think it's one thing to go to church. It's one thing to add Jesus to your life. It's another thing to surrender. Mm-hmm. and really say, as we said earlier, and not my will, your will be done. I really want to be the man you want me to be, God. I really want to be the wife and woman you want me to be. Mm-hmm. And I want to honor you as scary as it may be, as hard as it may be. I really am going to put you first and I'm going to put my agenda aside. I'm going to say, it's not about me being happy in this marriage. It's about me serving her, serving him and honoring you in the process. And happiness will come from that. And if it doesn't, I'm still not going to they're not going to make it about me, and that's a really hard thing to do because I always want it to be about me.
0: <laughs> you know, come on, that's a pretty and good yet. deal if you can make it all about you all the time, isn't it, Dave? Yeah. And any question you wish someone had asked you that you don't get asked?
1: Mm. I think, um, I think about young married couples, we have a real passion for premarried young married couples, and I, I see women, um we we live in such a consumer culture yeah where the thing that so many women are saying oh i can't wait to see what he brings me you yes. know what i mean and so yeah. i wish women i wish women would say like like ask me that question those young marrieds like what is the one thing what is that one thing that that I should know as I come into marriage. And it's really what you just said, Dave, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool for the rest of your life that you thought, Jesus, first of all, what are you giving me that I can bring to my spouse, to my family, to my friends? It becomes a, how can I serve rather than how will you serve me? And how will you meet my needs?
0: That's really good. You know, the other thing I would say too, it's interesting that one of the critiques you got was, you know, wow, your marriage is a real disaster compared to mine, (laughs) you know, which which I get. But I really I, I sometimes I wonder, and this I'm not this is not hopefully from a place where I'm judging other marriages. But I know that there are levels of intimacy as much as I have a fear of intimacy. There are levels of intimacy and connection. And it is easy, like I feel like we are drilling down over the years to new. Depths. Depths of relationship, depth of feeling, depths of oneness. And the reality is you could stay up on the shallows. You could stay up on the surface and just kind of call it a day and go, yeah, we never fight. We don't argue, but you've only really, you barely started tapping in to what is there. And as we go deeper and deeper in our relationship and our life, and that's with God, but also, you know, with each other. Um, it feels like, oh yeah. And there's more struggle at this level, but it also is what makes life worth living.
1: Ultimately. Oh, that's, that's really good. I don't know yeah, well,
0: that resonates. That's my, no, story.
2: that resonates. Cause one of the things I've, I think we've both been a little surprised at, at empty nest stage is how awesome it is.
0: I know you, I, you don't you want know? to tell people with kids at home, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, (laughs) it is pretty cool. And and, and, you know, it's it's, it's not about sipping piña coladas on a beach all day long. Like there's a mission, there's stuff to do, there's, there's, there's fulfillment, there's mission. It's, it's exciting. And to be able to do it with your best friend. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I think back, we almost, we almost missed it. Yeah.
0: We yeah. almost gave up. Yeah. And I, know I mean, I, I, couples have, you know. I and take it it's, it's axiomatic, but you guys, but for your faith, wouldn't be together today. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you fight for it. It's worth it. It really,
2: really is.
1: Really worth
0: it. It's the beautiful yeah. agony of marriage. The beautiful agony of marriage. Well said. <laughs> well said. Okay. Where can people uh, find you guys online and, and get the book? It's widely available. It's from Zondervan, but do you have a special site or anything that people can go to?
2: Well, obviously they didn't get the book anywhere, you know, books are sold, but we have a website, Dave Ann Wilson, and our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the same thing. Dave Ann Wilson, one word, and there's no E on Ann, mm-hmm. just Dave Ann, A-N-N. Wilson. A-N-N. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, com, and then Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then, you know, if they want to listen, we're on the radio every day with Family Life Today Radio, and that's also a podcast thing. Just download the Family Life app. And listen to us uh, talk to people about marriage and family and parenting and you name it. It's a wonderful show to help help families and help marriages.
0: Well, you guys have impacted tens of thousands of lives in Detroit through Kensington Church. I mean, uh, I know I've been there to see you, but I was there oh, 17 years ago as a young church leader trying wow. to figure out how to do church, like back in the day, sitting in the back row taking notes. And I yeah. wow. uh, just want to thank you guys for all that you do to help couples, but also the local church. And uh, I think you helped me today. So thank mm-hmm.
2: you. Thanks, well, you, you've helped us a ton. Yeah, I read everything mm-hmm. and listen to everything you do. And it's a real blessing to mm-hmm. us. Thank you.
0: Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Well, that was awesome. and That was real. Dave and Ann, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being so transparent. Uh, if you want more, everything's in the show notes, uh, including transcripts. So you can head on over to carrynewhoffcom slash episode 269. You'll find everything there, including links to everything that Dave and Ann Wilson are doing in the book and so on and so forth. Next week, we are back with a fresh episode. Jenny Katrin is coming up. I'm super excited to bring you a conversation with her. And we got some fun news too. Yeah, I do a lot of speaking and I have some friends who do speaking and we're launching a speakers bureau this month. That's right. I'll tell you all about that in the next episode. Also coming up, we have Ken Coleman, Kevin Jennings, Let's see, Sam Collier, Ian Morgan Cron is back with more on the Enneagram. We've got Ron Edmondson, who's now at Leadership Network. David Kinnaman, John Townsend, Christy Wright, Max Lucado, so much more. And that's a good reason, I think, to subscribe. And here's another one. It's free. It's absolutely free. And don't forget, before we go, to check out Pro Media Fire because you can get 10% off all your video and graphic design needs life by going to promediafire.com forward slash carry. And if you haven't yet tried trained up for free, you can do that today. You've been hearing about them for a long time and you're like, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Free free trial guys. 14 days. Go to servehq.church servehq.church and try volunteer training online for free for 14 days, just because you listen to this podcast. So here's a little snippet from next week's episode.
3: You know, in that context, I also felt a lot of pressure to be more like the pastors around me because I was a bit of the outlier and being the one who's, you know, my, my spiritual gifts are leadership and administration. Like, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to build a plan. I'm going to figure out how to get a team to get, you know, to align and help accomplish the vision. Like that, that is what I wake up thinking about, but I was surrounded by all these pastors and I felt like I had to be more pastoral. And I actually Mm -hmm. had one of our board members say, Hey, Jen, we hired you to bring you Mm-hmm. And you've taken some hits because we had some people not very kind about, you know, my style and, you know, coming in as a female in that seat within the church. And was that okay? And, you know, so you've got all right. those kind of dynamics going on. And I took some hits over it. So I felt like I had to become this other thing. I had to be more like the pastors that I was around, not, which is not bad, but it wasn't my But best it's not gift. you. It's not me. Yeah. And so I think I had I had swung to that and I'd lost me.
0: Well, that's going to be exciting to have that conversation with you guys next week. Jenny is brilliant. And uh, I just love the opportunity that we have to interview so many fascinating leaders and fascinating people. Hey, on that note, thanks again for your ratings and reviews. If this episode helped you, please share it. Get the word out there. I appreciate all of your support, all your love, all your encouragement. And I really hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before.